Welcome to Our Connected World, a podcast series from TE Connectivity featuring straight talk for engineers about today's technology trends and the technical challenges in driving innovations crucial to making the world safer, sustainable, productive, and connected. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected World, a podcast from the experts at TE Connectivity. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. On this episode of the show, we're discussing the convergence of factors that have made now the time for electric vehicles to make their presence felt in the auto industry. And we're going to dive into those factors, what they are, and where things are going in the future right now with Samir Pagnus. He is the president of Global Automotive at TE Connectivity. Samir, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Samir, let's start off here. What do you see driving widespread adoption and demand for EV technologies? As we begin to push into this uh, this future with uh, with EV, what do you see driving this uh, this adoption trend? You know, it's, it's very easy to see uh, where the regulatory environment is uh, kind of shaping the curve of adoption in terms of incentives for buying EVs and disincentives for not buying EVs. So there is a there's both these both these uh, incentive and disincentivized uh, version of regulatory postures around the world, uh, which is now fairly common everywhere, that is shaping some of the adoption for sure. But beyond that, uh, Tyler, if you think about any technology, the, the S-curve of adoption becomes sharper and sharper when different vectors kind of converge together. And if you think about EV space, what is happening is the technology is coming together very rapidly. We have seen that the battery packs of the of the past versus the battery packs that we see now, the technology there is evolving so rapidly. The density of the power that can be uh, that can be packed inside a battery pack is increasing dramatically. The economics are becoming favorable. There is something parallel to the Moore's law also working on the cost of EVs, mainly batteries again, which is making those cars uh, more and more affordable as the volumes grow and so on. There's a performance factor. We don't talk a lot about that, but there's a performance factor because uh, EVs, you know, if you drive an EV and experience the exhilaration of that flat torque curve, it's very hard to go back to an ICE engine where you have to fight for the torque. So there's a performance element to that. And then there's an overarching goal of making our planet sustainable, our planet green. So when these things come together and they converge at the same time, what happens is uh, the normal S-curve that you see of any technology adoption gets sharper and sharper. So I'm very excited when I look at this convergence. I'm I'm very excited to see that this would only accelerate from here on. Hmm. So we are seeing that, that convergence of factors like you mentioned, and I think that's really interesting to talk about and discuss. But what do you think is missing today that is preventing market penetration for EVs? Are, are there factors that are maybe preventing a little bit more of that, that market penetration? Yeah, sure, for sure. Right? This is a great question and uh, one that I would like to, like to talk about because we have, we have heard the word range anxiety a lot in the market, hmm. right? Everybody talks about range anxiety. And I think more in terms of charge anxiety than range anxiety. And charge anxiety for me is something which is a combination of how much range you get, how many miles you get for a charge, then how much time it takes to recharge the battery, and where will you find the next uh, charging station? A combination of all of this really is the charge anxiety, which if you think about uh, the typical conventional ICE vehicle, we don't have to think about. I mean, most of us don't know how much gas our, our current ICE vehicle holds and how much distance it drives because we know 
we will be able to stop at a gas station, get the tank filled within a couple of minutes. Once that charge anxiety is addressed, that eliminates the primary hurdle of a widespread adoption from the technology perspective. But there's another element of uh, adoption because uh, cars are a natural extension of a personality, right? It's a lifestyle uh, statement. And uh, when you think about that and the offerings that you have in the market today, I think they are not broad enough. They have started at the top for sure at the luxury vehicles. But as more and more OEMs bring out more and more broader product offering, it addresses the different needs of different stratas of consumers. And that will also help us overcome some of the barriers of a widespread adoption in EVs. You know, when you were talking about charge anxiety, it reminded me a lot of my wife whose cell phone always seems to be right at about 10% battery. I don't know how that's always the case, but it's always the case, right? And and you can kind of see a little bit of the, the parallel there in that, you know, if, if you are out and about and your cell phone runs out of battery and it dies, you have that, that feeling of, Oh, I can't talk to him. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, on my own out here. Whereas uh, people might associate that similar feeling with how they might feel about an EV um, if that infrastructure is not in place for charging stations and things like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, at the fundamental level is when you get into a car, you don't want to think about what's going to be your next stop. You need to, you need to have that confidence that it will be available somewhere mm-hmm. and it will be available for you to recharge fairly quickly. But the exciting part of this, Tyler, is if you think about the battery technology, how much time it used to take for a full charge even a couple of years ago versus now, it is an order of magnitude difference already. So what I think about uh, the charge anxiety is that this is a matter of time where this will get addressed through the advance of uh, of all the battery chemistry, all the battery technology, and the charging infrastructure as well. So we, we talk about um, the progress that's being made in that uh, charging time. What are some of the other critical engineering challenges in enabling more robust and efficient electrification in the next generation of vehicles? What, what sorts of hurdles need to be overcome? That, that's a great question. And at the core of it, think about a conventional ICE architecture, which operates typically at 12-volt power source mm-hmm. versus uh, an EV, which is again, order of magnitude more power. So fundamentally, when you handle so much power, you know, to, to steal uh, a quote from Spider-Man, you know, with more power comes more responsibility. <laughs> That's what exactly happens. You know, you, you have so much of power that if it is not handled appropriately, it can be fatal. Even. So there's a big aspect of safety that comes into play. You look at some of the regulatory requirements that are developing now, uh, a pyrotechnic event, a fire event in a car, needs to be known much before it happens. So currently, there is a standard that is in development where it mandates that a driver or the occupant of the car should know 20 minutes ahead of time if there is a fire event that is going to happen. And that means we have to have the architecture which is safer, more reliable. And that means we have to design the car architecture in a completely different paradigm. It also means when you have that level of voltage getting switched in a car, you have a lot of electromagnetic noise and thermal management that needs to happen. So essentially, the entire architecture has an elevated level of uh, engineering challenges that needs to be overcome. At a high level, we are just handling an order of magnitude more power in the EVs. In a conventional ICE engine, we are handling about 12 volts throughout the architecture. And in a car, which is based on battery electric, you have a much more significant voltage 
And when you think about that, that power, if it is not handled appropriately, can be fatal. So there are those safety elements, there are reliability elements that have to be managed as you design that architecture. And you have to have much more robust and efficient architecture, much more redundancy in the connectivity. Hmm. Interestingly, when you think about all of this, there is a lot more uh, engineering challenge that comes with this high voltage in the form of noise, either thermal noise or electromagnetic noise. And that adds up to the level of challenge when you design these cars. There is a lot of intelligence that needs to be built in order to take care of these challenges from the semiconductor perspective. So we have talked about a lot in semiconductor uh, space in the past few months. If you take a, a conventional ice engine car versus a battery electric vehicle, there is about three to five X more semiconductors that is deployed in the cars. So that much more of intelligence means you have to have a much more redundant, much more intelligent network in the car. And in many cases, much more modular and automated network in the car. So at TE, Tyler, it, it really lands in the middle of our purpose, why we exist. You know, we, we exist to make the world safer, sustainable, more productive and connected. And that's what we think our role is. So when we look at all these challenges that our OEMs face, we look at our role as an enabler to our customers. You know, we, we got to get involved early in the design phase and bring their design and performance challenges to our shop and solve them because OEMs just have too much to do right now. It is developing at such a rapid pace that we have a much more elevated responsibility here as well. You know, that's that's really interesting. You talking about the intelligence and, and redundancies and, and things along those lines. And then also TE's role in, in helping OEMs with this process ticks me, you know, right where we wanted to go next. And that was talking about the factors that are driving how OEMs are changing the way they design and build innovative technology at scale. What are some of those factors that, that are changing the way that OEMs design um, and, and build? And how is TE helping um, OEMs get to where they're trying to go as far as uh, the technology of the future and continuing to innovate? No, that's a, that's a great question and it's a big question. So let's contrast the development of ICE, the conventional cars, mm -hmm. versus where the battery electric vehicles are. ICE took more than 50 years to come to a point where they are. So it has been a very incremental development as it happened. Whereas if you think about EVs, the regulatory pressure is right now, right here. Uh, we have an urgency in terms of making our planet green and uh, making our environment safe for our future generations. The consumers are ready for it, right? So we don't have 50 years for a continued incremental innovation. So there is a need for speed. It's a very challenging environment for sure, because now you have to change the paradigm from this incremental six-year, seven-year platform building into one-year, two-year platform building. And you see that some OEMs are doing it very successfully, like Tesla mm. is doing, like Rivian is doing like Lucid is doing. So there is a very different approach towards how these cars are designed. And one of the way that needs to happen is to think about scalable design, right? You can't have multiple versions of your uh, cars. You can't have multiple platforms. There is a need for platforming. There's a need for having standard building blocks and how you can put the vehicle architecture together. That can bring efficiency in how many products you can bring out. So take an example of GM's Altium battery. One of the big advantage of that is they can use that platform to build variety of vehicles on the same uh, same battery concept. And that speeds up their their launches, their, uh, their development. But it's not easy to do because you have just so many priorities, right? As an OEM, if you think about the big inflection points ahead of you, 
One is the electrification of the powertrain. The other is autonomous driving or uh, driver assist systems, uh, ADAS. And when you have those priorities coming towards you simultaneously and you have to deal with the fact that you have an existing deployed asset base, which is geared for an entirely different and increasingly redundant type of architecture, how do you deal with all these challenges together, right? So the key to solving this issue is really to build an ecosystem. The OEMs who find this earlier will make progress much faster. And by, by ecosystem, what I mean is you have to find people, parties, customers, suppliers together who can help you, give you right level of input, partner with you in building this future innovation. So at TE, we have thousands of engineers that engage with our customers early. And our job is to engage with them, figure out what is their next big in innovation and what part do we want to play in enabling that innovation and provide deep insights on their application. Because uh, realize it is such a rapidly developing environment that not everybody sees everything. Mm. And at this point of time, all the engineers, the collective experience that we have in automotive industry, whoever can harness that powerfully will get the advantage, right? And therefore, uh, at TE, as I said to you, thousands of our engineers do that on a day-to-day -day basis, engaging with our customers early and enable them. That makes me wonder just what kinds of engineering limitations and economic factors are shaping EV production and how might that affect EV innovation over the next five years when you look at maybe some of the limitations and, and economic factors that, that play a role in, in how this all shakes out? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question and something uh, for which uh, everybody has a different answer, but all the answers are exciting. There's one common factor there. Everybody has like 40% option, 60% adoption. We have different scenarios, but all of those scenarios are exciting. But really, at the core of it is the density of power that can charge rapidly and can be made available economically and functions reliably. In a, in a nutshell, that's the biggest challenge. But beyond that, once you solve that problem, you also have a challenge as to the consumer does not want to know what kind of a battery uh, one is sitting on top of. Beyond the point, you want to be, you want that thing, that problem to be invisible to you. You want then to talk about user experience, right? So in terms of limitations, it is the technology that we talked about. But in terms of shaping the future, it is a user experience. I'm really excited at the rate and pace at which battery technology, chemistry, as well as process technology is evolving. And uh, parallelly, standards around it are coming together also. Hmm. You know, the, the standard that I talked about, the 20-minute pre-warning before a fire hazard happens is just one example, but there are more standards that are coming together. Automotive industry thrives on standardization. Our consumers have a right to get standard, reliable, more predictable products, right? So I think that's that's really good. And from TE perspective, again, I see that we will have more responsibility as we as we accelerate this curve, shaping the future of EV production into future. But in a, in a nutshell, Tyler, what I would see is this trend is getting faster and faster. In the past, I used to think uh, that hybrid electric vehicles will have a longer bridge towards the full electric future. What I see today is that bridge is getting shorter and shorter. Hmm. And to a point where we may just see several of the OEMs just leapfrog from ICE to EVs directly, and we will not get into that bridge at all. 
Yeah, that's that's really fascinating, and that's something I'm going to be very interested in watching as well. Because you're absolutely right that that is how it appears, um, at least to me, anyways, from the outside looking in. So I'm curious, Samir, what what does the next phase of maturity for EV innovation look like? And specifically from from your point of view, how could this affect connector design going forward as well? Uh, that's a great question, and one that is again evolving literally every day. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we see is when we have a high power in the architecture you also need a bigger density, bigger sizes, uh, bigger weight of conductors. And if you look at a wiring harness for a BMW 7 Series, it is complicated enough, uh, to say the least. It's uh, it's uh, laborious enough as well. So when you get into this new architectures with these heavy conductors that are wrapped around the car, it is essential that the architecture will evolve, revolve around automation, it has to develop around automation. We can't uh, use the same old method of uh, using two hands to put the stuff together. Mm-hmm. There's also an element of reliability redundancy that comes into play. I think this is going to be uh, one of the key attribute of uh, architecture going forward. And you talk about different philosophies that are kind of coming in front of us, like uh, domain architecture, like zonal architecture, and ultimately the, the holy grail, which is centralized architecture. All of this will feed into uh, the maturity of innovation, uh, how it uh, shapes up. It also means that the connectivity will continue to get smarter. So in the past, uh, connectivity, especially from TE perspective, used to be electromechanical connectivity. It was basically connecting low voltage power and signal. As it gets into low voltage power and signal on top of high voltage power and signal and high speed data that runs around the car, the connectivity itself will drive a bigger value and that value needs to come through making that connectivity smarter through integration of electronics, cutting edge materials and processes. Take an example of a charging inlet. A charging inlet will have to be connected and disconnected several times. We have to have well, cutting edge material plating technologies in order to make sure that at the hundredth time when you disconnect and connect the charging inlet to the car, you don't have a high resistance at the junction. You don't have heat loss at that junction and then potential failure as well. So some of these elements which have been less important in the low voltage arena will become more and more important. And then you talk about high speed data in the car. As the user experience drives some of the high speed data consumption in the car, there's an interplay between high power and high speed data. You know that when you have high power getting switched on and off and you have a data line running next to it, it, it's not a good combination. It has some unique engineering challenges around that with respect to electromagnetic noise and how you handle that interplay between these two power line and high-speed data line will also drive some innovation in these areas, which will make it interesting and challenging uh, for sure. That's that's going to be very, very interesting to, to watch. And so in light of all of this, what are you watching for when it comes to the next breakthrough in EV innovation? Where do you think it's going to come from? Uh, maybe what area uh, or, or something along those lines? Where, where do you see the next big innovation coming from? I think the one thing which is obvious for all of us is the next big innovation, and it may not be one, it may be many, uh, would still lie in the battery technology. Mm. Because even if we think about the current lithium ion battery, we know that there are some challenges associated with how much charge it can hold, how long it takes to charge, and beyond that, the materials that it consumes as well, right? We've talked about cobalt, nickel, lithium, and where it comes from, there is a, there is a natural challenge in that supply chain. So therefore, 
as the battery technology evolves to overcome some of these challenges, I still believe that that is going to be the next big innovation. And again, many innovations potentially in this rapidly evolving piece of puzzle, if you will. Uh, to that end, it will mean that densely packed power, rapid charging cycles, and also a better driving experience, right? So in effect, what will happen, what we have to watch for is a high performance EV will not only be a high performance EV, but also a vehicle for a differentiated user experience. So hmm. at, at this point of time, when you talk about the next breakthrough in innovation, I have to bring this point uh, in front of you. It is not only EV as in battery driven vehicle. It is going to be at some point of time, a breakthrough innovation, which is a user experience. Of course, the, the high acceleration, of course, the long life cycle, but also how does a user feel inside the car, taking your living room inside the car, if you will, right? Feeling connected all the time. Right. That would be the next big innovation that it will drive. And, and you know, there, there's a reason why that would happen. Consumers get conditioned to what to expect in a particular product. If you think about the current EV landscape, you know, it has started at the top. You've taken an example of uh, Model S from Tesla. You've taken an example of Lucid or a, or a Porsche Taycan. These cars are so packed with features. Once you start to launch more middle of the road products, some of those features start to trickle down. They become standards because users tend to come to expect it. Hmm. And that creates more value, more richness in their experience. So my guess is that this innovation is not only about power, but also more about user experience. That's, yeah, that, that's going to be incredibly interesting to watch. And user experience is something that, you know, is discussed across so many different industries. It'll be interesting to watch how it comes together in EVs in particular. And I'll be extremely curious to see uh, see what that looks like as we continue to move forward. And earlier you mentioned, you know, driver assistance technology. Um, and, and so I wanted to go back to that real, really quickly, just to, to ask, what do you think that looks like in EVs? And, uh, and considering especially the fact uh, that power drain, uh, that the power drain that might occur because of uh, the technology that would be required within an EV to, to make this happen. And so how do you see all of those factors kind of playing together when it comes to the technology uh, and the power needs uh, of an EV pairing with uh, driver assistance technology? No, that's, that's a great question. And that takes us deep into engineering of uh, car architectures for sure. Uh, I think let, let's start at the, at the top. I mean, there is a lot of narrative in the media around fully autonomous cars, what we call generally as L5 cars, where you don't need a steering wheel and you're basically, uh, the car is running fully autonomously. And everybody's thesis is that it is uh, it is a horizon which is further out. And I don't disagree with that because there are regulatory issues, there are ethical issues, there are other issues that we need to address. Uh, and we have to also address what happens when a fully autonomous car is driving side by side with a completely manual car. So there are complications there that we need to address and understand. But the reality is the following. As the cars have started to include more and more safety features, you start to see that some of the EVs, which are, by the way, a great vehicle for getting it as uh, earlier in the market, they already have the building blocks of up to L3 level of ADAS already. And the hardware exists in most cases. In some cases, it is also enabled. In some cases, it goes even beyond L3. So what we call as L3 plus uh, level of uh, building blocks of hardware. A lot of times this hardware sits there because the OEMs have the ability to enable those elements uh, over there. 
which is which is a great advancement in terms of how the cars would uh, would continue to be updated in future so all of that means that the architectures are already evolving right now and while full autonomy of level 5 may be a little bit further out the magic starts to happen at l3 plus area and the cars already have started to acquire some of the hardware that enables that and that means that the driver assistance technology will be there in the cars much before uh, that we imagine again this is the technology s curve some of these elements once you experience them it's hard to drive a car without them mm. and i can give you my own example my my daughter turned 18 not too long ago and we were out in the market trying to buy a car for her and one of the key areas that i wanted to have in the car was all the safety features lane departure warning autonomous cruise control blind spot uh, assistance and some of those things which we now tend to have uh, in our mind more as a standard requirement than a feature which we can deal without and that really accelerates uh, the adoption of driver assistance technology as well going back to the point that i made earlier tyler the evs they start at the top in the luxury segment and they are coming down towards middle of the road products and some of these features because they are already in those high level cars they become automatically proliferated as they as they launch the middle of the road offering well as we begin to wrap up our conversation here today samir uh what kinds uh, i want to bring it back to to connectivity because that's obviously a massive thing that we're talking about when we talk about te connectivity so what kind of technological connectivity will be needed to enable this kind of performance and the kind of performance requirements that we've discussed today uh that that you're expecting to see here into the future no absolutely that's a, that's a great question and one that requires deep contemplation because philosophically the connectivity is getting transformed as well as the cars are getting transformed and what i mean by that is i i alluded to that earlier in the past it was okay to define a connectivity by a lumped component that provides electromechanical connection that was a simple definition of a of a connector or a terminal the future of connectivity significantly takes a departure from that definition what it means is if we look at all the power all the data and the reliability that is required in future it will require to get smarter it will require to use more cutting edge materials it will require to integrate sensing uh, in many cases electronics it will require to automate some processes and then all of that will deliver the required robustness for all kinds of noise thermal noise electromagnetic noise etc and high reliability because some of these cars have a very long lifespan and the cost of failure is disproportionately high so therefore the the definition itself of connectivity is at an inflection point and evolves into something very different than what we are used to in the past almost 50 years even hmm. Well, Samir, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the show today and getting to learn a little bit more from your insights and from your expertise in this area. I want to give you the floor really quickly just to give us any final thoughts, anything uh, either that we haven't touched on yet or that you want to really want to drive home with our audience here today. So the floor is yours for any final thoughts, conclusions, anything you want to leave us with. No, absolutely. I, I would I would take a moment to reflect on the role that we play as TE. Mm-hmm. and uh, what what makes us special and it is from the perspective but i think it is it applies to most of the most of the partners that play in this ecosystem it is important that we are able to harness our experiences across the industries because realize while the cars are learning how to deal with high voltage and high currents industrial area where we have this heavy machinery robots they already do that 
now you put them on a wheel so you have to bring that experience from the industrial area into the cars you have to bring the experience from our data and devices side where you have these data centers who handle high speed data uh, without any errors uh, over a long period of time that is the expertise that you need to bring in into the cars because now you have high speed data connectivity there so when you think about the broader implications of how the automotive industry is transforming it is important for partners like te to make sure that we harness all of our experience where we play in our company we are able to harness it together and bring it to our oems because as i said to you earlier this is an evolving field and uh, none of us is going to be better than all of us so it is all about bringing all of those experiences together and learning from it rapidly so that the end consumers get the best product well things are rapidly evolving which is why it's so great to get to expert analysis from people like you samir pagnes president of global automotive at te connectivity samir thank you so much for joining us here on connected world today and sharing your thoughts and insights with us Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone out there, if you would like to learn more, Samir has two excellent blog posts on TE.com about this. Uh, they're titled Ambitious EV Tech Meets Environmental Mandates and How COVID-19 is Reinforcing Demand for Electric Vehicles. You can go read both of those on TE.com right now to learn a little bit more uh, about this if you, uh, if you prefer the written medium as well to get a little bit more detail on the things that Samir is talking about. Thank you for tuning into our conversation. You can learn more about the solutions we discussed today by visiting te.com, where you can connect with our engineer support teams and sign up for Circuit, our monthly trends newsletter featuring a selection of articles on tech innovation written by engineers for engineers. To find out more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, as well as LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, think big, move fast, and make every connection count.